I love it when we do these really practical series that just bring us back to the basics of, of the foundations of our faith and teach us something new, or if you're new on your journey with Jesus, it, it, just, it just helps you to, to know what it looks like to walk with Jesus. And no matter where you're at in your walk with Christ, prayer is something we can all do. Now, we've been learning a lot, but I feel it's important to say once again, at the very basic level, prayer is just a conversation with God. In the first week of our series, Pastor Nate, with the help of Medea, introduced us to the idea that prayer doesn't have to be a complicated thing. It's just a conversation that we get to have with God. And then last week, Pastor Justin broke it down for us really well and taught us on how to pray when you don't know what to say. He made it simple and unforgettable. Pray in tacos. Thanks, admiration, confession, others, and self. And then he gave us all free tacos, right? Sorry, on online families, something special about being in the room. Unfortunately, I don't have anything creative or funny for you today. You're probably not going to laugh at all. I have no hooks, no clips, and sadly, no tacos. But I do have a passage of scripture that I would like us to look at. So if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to James. We're going to be in James chapter 5. Or you can use the app on your phone. Or, if you'd rather, you can just look at the screen behind me. So James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, it says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I'm going to read that last part again. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. On this third and final week of our series, Let Me Pray About It, I want to speak to you on the subject of what happens when we pray. And prayer sounds like a good, plan, good place to start, so would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, I just ask right now that you would come, um, come right here in this moment. God, help me to have clarity in my mind and boldness in my speech. Use me to speak to everyone here what you have for them. God, we're leaning in, and we're ready to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling pretty bold, and um, I feel like at this point, we're all friends here, you know? Like, or at least if we're not friends, I have enough friends in the room that I feel I can say this and not be booed off the stage right now. I hate change. Change is not for me. I'm still bitter and annoyed that Target changed the layout of their store. It has been two years. Now, I don't hate it enough to stop going two or three times a week, but every time I go in my head, I'm telling them all of the reasons the old layout was better. You see, when I have a habit or a routine or a way of doing things and it gets disrupted, I don't like it. It really bothers me. There's no school tomorrow. 
And in my head, I'm freaking out because my routine that I just got back from Christmas break is being disrupted again. Change is hard for me. And saying I hate change, that was a little harsh because there are some things about change that I like. You know, I like to change my hair every once in a while. I like to change my nail color. I like to change my salad dressing, the important things in life. I've always enjoyed changing up the furniture layout in my home. I usually end up putting it back a few days later, but it's fun to switch it up. In fact, this week, when I was supposed to be preparing for this very message, I had this very strong urge that I needed to rearrange my boys' bedroom. So I did, which made me need to go to Target, which made me remember how much I hate change in the new layout of Target, and that gave me my opening story. So really, I was working on my message. But in all seriousness, there is change that you choose, and then there's change that's chosen for you. How many of you would agree that, when, that we only want the change that we choose? If we choose it, we like it. Wouldn't it be great if in life the only things that had to change were the things that we wanted to change? Unfortunately, it does not work like that, and change is inevitable. Something that has to happen. You've probably heard it said before, but the only consistent thing about life is change. Change is all around us, and I think now more than ever, change is being forced on us so rapidly. I'm pretty involved in my kids' school, and before you're like, oh, what a good mom you are. No, don't be fooled. It's totally so I can keep tabs on my children during the day and not freak out their teachers that I'm really a helicopter mom. So I, I, I do a lot of things, and I work on this team that we plan events for the school. And on Monday morning, when we sat down for our meeting, we had four events over the next month that we were going to be working on. By Wednesday, we were down to two, and I'm not so sure that one of them isn't going to go out the window the way we planned it. Why? Because we don't have our act together. No because change is inevitable. As much as change happens that we don't want, it can be harder when we need a situation to change and there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. When we've tried all these things but we're stuck, no matter how hard we try on our own or we plan or we try to manipulate things, we can't make it change. But what if you actually already had what you needed to make a change. How would that change things in your life? Well, I've got good news for you. You have exactly what you need to make changes happen in your life, and it's called prayer. We have the power of prayer. But sometimes I wonder if we miss out on the power because we don't fully understand what changes when we pray. We don't understand that when we come to God with all of our natural issues and we say, God, help me, that the supernatural comes in and, and takes over and starts to change everything. That's what happens when we pray. Now, hopefully through this series, your heart and your mind and your understanding of what prayer is has grown. Hopefully it has helped you. I said a minute ago that prayer is a conversation between you and and Jesus. It's a relationship you have with Christ. And no matter how good of a person you are, 
You cannot have a relationship without communication. Have you ever given someone you were in a relationship with the silent treatment? I'm not saying I endorse this, and it might be fun for a little bit, and it might make you feel like you're winning the argument or, or showing them who's boss, but not communicating actually damages and puts distance in your relationship. Think about it, married couples. If you go a couple of days without talking to your spouse, when you finally work through your issues and start talking again, it takes a little while to get that, that traction back, that rhythm of your relationship back. Why? Because there's been distance without talking. There's been a break in your relationship. And when we go days or weeks or months without talking to God, there's a break in our relationship with him. Just like talking to your spouse or your best friend or, I don't know, your dog is somewhat normal-ish, prayer should be a normal and natural part of your relationship with God. It does not have to be complicated. You don't have to overthink it. It doesn't have to be some super spiritual thing with all the right words. It's just simply talking to Jesus. Last week, my husband said that we should make prayer be our first response, not our last resort. No matter if it's little or big, we can talk to God about it. We can talk to God about being worried about our kids. We can talk to God when we feel we've been wronged at work or when there's a rift in a friendship. We can talk to God, students, when we have a test we have to take or when there's a big game that we're getting ready to play. We can talk to God when we don't understand, when we feel confused or lonely or disappointed. Did you know you can even talk to God when you're angry at him? And you can talk to God when you're so freaking happy about something in your life that it would sound like bragging if you were to share it with anyone else. You can talk to God about it. We can talk to God about the big decisions we have to make. We can even talk to God about silly little things like helping you find a parking spot on a Friday night when you're on Mass Street. And when you think about it, all that stuff that I just listed off, that's things that we're talking to people about that we're in relationships. We're talking to our spouse and our best friend or a therapist. So if you can chat it up with all of these other peoples, why wouldn't you talk with God? Why wouldn't you bring it to him? The point I'm trying to make to you today is that God doesn't care what you talk to him about. He just cares that you talk to him. He wants to have a relationship with you. We don't have to talk to God. We get to talk to God. And when you talk to God, it doesn't change God, it changes you. A couple of years ago, my husband and I did something that we had never done before, and we took a vacation, we've taken vacations, we took a vacation like we never took before. And we went to our very first all-inclusive resort. Anyone been to an all-inclusive resort? Just show of hands. I'm pretty sure heaven is gonna be like an all-inclusive resort for this girl. 
Well, prior to going, I did a little bit of research so we didn't look completely clueless walking into this place. So we kind of knew the basics of what to expect. And so we went and we checked in, and as we were there, the man at the desk, he said, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Jenkins, are, are you celebrating anything special this week? And just that quick, my husband said, our anniversary. And I, I looked at him, because our anniversary is in August, and we were there in February, and he was like, we celebrate our anniversary every day. Like, I mean, I guess being married to me is just that wonderful. <laughs> And so he said, oh, that's wonderful. And then what happened is he said, let me take care of you. And he upgraded our room, which upgraded our status at the resort, which was amazing. But we did not fully understand what that meant until our second to last day when we were, um, when we were talking to this private butler that was apparently a part of our upgrade. We just thought he really liked us because I'm, my husband's really good at making friends. Um, and he said to us, he said, oh, where are you guys going to dinner at? And we said, well, we were thinking about this one restaurant, but they're full tonight. And he said, no, 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 no. I will take care of you. They are not full. What time do you want to go? And so we told him, and he said, okay, you wait here. And he went, and he got on the phone and, and did some talking, and then he came back, and he said, okay, you're all set, Mr. and Mrs. Jenkins. And we were like, Thank you, David. Like, this is amazing. You, you did not have to go above and beyond for us. And he said, Mr. Jenkins, you don't understand. You are a part of the excellence club. This is yours to use. And when, we were, and when he said that, we were like, tell us more about that excellence club, David. Turns out we had access to all of these amazing upgrades of private beaches and private pools and upgraded restaurants and different room service options and spa treatments that, that were there for us all week that we didn't know about and take advantage of until the very last day when we did more than our fair share of taking advantage of them. <laughs> we didn't know it was available to us. And once we found it, we were like, that was great, but this is amazing. This is something special. This is something I'm glad I didn't miss out on. And this may be a stretch, but when we don't take advantage of the gift that we have in being able to pray and being able to talk to God, there is so much that we miss out on. Please hear me. I am not saying that prayer is about getting what we want from God. God's not a genie in a bottle waiting to grant us wishes. Praying is about getting what God wants for us, and he has good things that he wants to give you. And because he is a good God, he is not going to force himself on you. He is not sitting up in heaven going, ooh, I hope they pray today. I hope he remembers to talk to me. In your relationship with Christ, if you don't ever pray other than Thank you for this food. Bless to my body. In Jesus' name, amen. God will still be the same God that he's always been. He will be okay. I just don't know if you'll be okay. Prayer is how heaven invades earth. It's what opens the floodgates for God to come down and be involved in our everyday circumstances. And when you pray, something powerful happens. 
I think maybe we don't spend time in prayer because we don't understand what is happening supernaturally while we pray. You see, prayer brings the supernatural into our natural. Prayer connects us with God, and when you pray, things in the heavenly realm start to change. And I want to try and explain this to you in an easy way, and to do that, there are some things that we need to understand about God. God is made up of three persons. It's called the Trinity. And there's a whole lot in the Trinity to explain, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to break it down really simply. And if you still have questions, you should join a group. You could make it your own group that you start, and you could call it, like, what is the Trinity? And you could invite Pastor Justin, and he'll come and explain it all and correct everything that I've messed up today, and it'll be great. So join a group. It starts next week. You can sign up. Okay. God. He is three in one. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When you pray, there is something that happens with all three persons of the Godhead. Paul describes it in his closing remarks of 2 Corinthians 13. It says this, verse 14, says, The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Now, I picked the message translation of this verse because I thought it gave such a beautiful picture. He says, the amazing grace of Jesus, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. I hope that's how we would see God and know God, that we would know his amazing grace, that we would know his extravagant love, and know the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Let's break this down a little bit more so that we can really understand what this means. What is the amazing grace of Jesus? Here's what the Bible has to say about Jesus. In Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, in the Old Testament, if you had sin in your life and you needed to be forgiven by God, the people would have to go through a high priest. They'd go and tell the priest what they did, and once a year this priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would make sacrifices for their sins, and then they'd be covered and have a right relationship with God. That's the Old Testament. Well, now we live under the New Testament, and when Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins, he died for them all. He took them past, present, and future, and the veil separating us from the throne of God was torn in two. Now we have a high priest who is Jesus that we can approach and talk to anytime we need. So when we pray and we go before God and we say, God, my, my attitude or my speech, my thoughts, the way I handled that, the things I did, 
the things I keep doing over and over again, God, I'm sorry, and I just, I bring it to you. When we do that, here's what's happening supernaturally. We're going, Jesus, I bring you all of this. I bring you this mess, and Jesus goes, I've got you. I've got you, Marissa. Jesus says, hey, I know what it's like to be tempted. I know what it's like to feel alone. You're feeling betrayed? I know that feeling. I know that feeling because I'm a high priest that's been touched with the things you've been touched with. Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, he walked this earth and he walked in the same shoes that we do. He felt the pain and he endured the temptation and he can sympathize with what we're struggling with because he walked the same road. But he did it without sin. And when we pray, we can come to him with confidence. We can bring our sin to him with confidence. You don't have to bring the good you to Jesus, the polished you, the Sunday morning you, the put together and everything figured out you. I think some of us avoid going to Jesus because we think that's the only way that we can come to him. But look again what it says in verse 16 of Hebrews 4. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why in the world would we need mercy and grace if we weren't all a little bit messed up? We can come with confidence that before I even pray the prayer, that mercy and grace are coming my way. Because I have a high priest that's felt what I felt, that's been tempted the way that I'm tempted. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. We don't just have to show God our strong side. We can show him our weak side. And when we pray, we have the amazing grace of the master. When I pray, his mercy covers me. And because of his mercy that covers us, he takes all of our mess and all of our needs and all of our issues and all of our prayers, and he takes it and he goes to the extravagant love of the Father. Jesus is forever at the right hand of the Father making intercessions for us. Did you know, right now, right at this very minute, Jesus is talking to God about me? And Jesus is talking to God about you? And he's talking to God about you? And you? And you? And you? And you? And even you in the back. He's talking to Jesus Jesus is talking to God about you. Let me show you. Romans 8, 34 says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus is talking to God about you and me right now, and he's interceding on our behalf. Have you ever had to have someone do that for you? Plead your case, 
go to someone else on your behalf. There's been different scenarios in my life where I've, I've needed someone to go plead my case on my behalf. And, and, you know, it can be a really beneficial thing. Our family has quickly learned that while Justin loves everyone equally, there is one person that can sway him like no other. And her name is Pippa. Now, by confessing this this morning, I might be ruining what we have going on um, because my boys and I take full advantage of this situation. Pippa's ability to move her father is a beautiful thing. I do it the most when I don't feel like cooking. You know, two to three times a week while I'm at Target. So I'll say to her, hey, Pippa, you know it would be really fun tonight? And she'll say, what? And I'll say, if Dad took us to dinner. And then she'll say, okay. That's all I have to do. She does the rest. She goes bouncing into her father. She sits on his lap. They whisper. There's some giggling. And before I know it, we're saying, table for six, please. I don't know what Pippa does or says, but I know she's on my side, and I know that I have a husband who has extravagant love for me and wants to give me things when I ask. And that's exactly what our relationship with Jesus and God is. We have Jesus on our side, and we have a Father who wants to give us what we need. When we bring our hearts to Jesus, he then goes to the Father and he says, Father, she blew it again. She gossiped again. Yeah, he got angry again. That thing she asked for forgiveness yesterday, well, she's asking again today. But God, I know how they feel. I know how she feels. I've been tempted in the same way, and it's hard. And, and God, you know, the enemy is for real, and he's roaming around, and he wants to kill and steal and destroy. Jesus goes to the Father for us, and do you know what God says? He doesn't say, again? How many times do I have to tell you? When is she going to stop doing that? When is that attitude going to change? When will he ever learn? I'm so tired of these kids and these mistakes. The Father, in all of his extravagant love for us, doesn't say any of that. When we pray and we say, God, this is really what's going on in my heart. This is what I'm dealing with. God, I keep struggling with this. When we do that, the amazing grace of the Master meets with the extravagant love of the Father. And then the Father says, Come closer. The confession of our sins doesn't keep us distant, it brings us closer. That's what happens when we pray. When we bring all of our heart to Jesus in prayer, the Father says, Come closer. Come. Come let me love you more. Let me draw you in. Let me show you. Psalms 103, verses 8 through 13, it says, The Lord is merciful and loving, slow to become angry, and full of constant love. No matter what we do, he still loves us. He doesn't keep on rebuking. He is not angry forever. He does not punish us as we deserve. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Or repay us according to our sins and wrongs. How much does he love us? 
He loves us as high as the sky is above the earth. So great is his love for those who honor him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins from us. As a father is kind to his children, so the Lord is kind to those who honor him. Our heavenly father is not a God that we should fear. That we feel like, that we feel that we shouldn't go to when we've messed up. Or that we'll somehow disappoint him. My heart is heavy today for those that have not had either the best relationship or any relationship with their earthly fathers. It can be really hard to understand our heavenly father's love for us when it's been a void from our earthly fathers. But our heavenly father, he is full of amazing grace and extravagant love. He is full of mercy. He's slow to become angry. He doesn't keep a scorecard of all of our wrongs, and we can never lose his love. As high as the sky is above, that's how much he loves us. Once we can grasp that, it changes everything. We bring ourselves to, to Jesus through prayer. And while we're talking to Jesus, he goes to God on our behalf. And then when you say amen, it's not done. You know why? Because we have the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. So when you pray and you tell Jesus your whole heart and he goes to the Father and you say amen, you go about your day. You might be done praying, but your prayer's not done. Because the Holy Spirit comes in and says, let's go. Let's do this. Now, I really wanted to put that clip in, you know, Holy Spirit, activate, Holy Spirit, activate. But when I said it to my husband, he said, that's dumb, and he rolled his eyes. <laughs> you see, no matter what we are going through, we are never alone. We've got one that comes alongside us. When we say amen, we might think our prayer is over, but it's just getting started. We don't go alone. We have the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit that comes right beside us. So when we get our car in our car and we head out for the day, we've got one right alongside us? Yes. You mean when I walk into that meeting that I've been dreading, I've got one alongside me? Absolutely. You mean when I go to work or I send my kids to school or I'm traveling or I'm walking into a class or I'm taking a test, I'm not alone? That's exactly what I'm saying. Your prayers will change when you realize there is one alongside you, that we are never alone. And I know this because God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We have an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. He's right here beside you, working all things out for your good and God's glory. You see, our prayers matter. Our prayers change situations. What happens when we pray? We're given the amazing grace of Jesus, the extravagant love of the Father, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. When we can take hold of what happens when we pray, our prayer life changes. It gets shaken up. 
I believe strongholds start to break. I believe forgiveness happens. I believe restoration comes, healing comes. Things that you thought could not change start to change. I believe we can confidently face whatever comes our way. Don't let praying be something you do just before a meal or when you don't know what else to do. Don't let it be your last resort. Don't miss out on all that God has for you as you develop a deeper and more connected relationship to him by just talking to Jesus about anything and everything, big or small, significant or seemingly insignificant. Let your prayers draw you closer to God so that you can become more like him from the inside out. Has this helped any of you this morning? Would you just pray with me? Um, I would just ask that everyone here would just bow your head and close your eyes just, just for a minute. When I talked about the amazing grace of Jesus and the thought that you could bring your brokenness confidently to him, maybe for some of you, you never thought about that before. Or maybe you didn't realize that you didn't have to um, do things first to make God happy with you. That his grace is available to you. Maybe you never knew that the Father has extravagant love for you or that the Holy Spirit is right beside you in every situation.